Hey, folks, I'm Tom. And this is Keith. And uh, you should know that by now if you're listening to this very program. We talk a lot about the Dunlap Champions Club. Often it has to do with football season, but the season is over. It's in the rearview mirror. But very important note here, don't put the Dunlap Champions Club in the rearview mirror. One of Tallahassee's largest event spaces, the Champions Club is quickly becoming the go-to place for charity functions, meetings, and events located on the fourth floor. Champions Club consists of an east area, a west area, or you can buy them featuring floor-to-ceiling windows overlooking Bobby Bowden Field, providing a spectacular view for all of your guests. We've been there. We've done it. It's worth it. Great event space. Uh, if the fourth floor doesn't suit your needs, there's also the sixth floor, whether it's the southeast terrace or the southwest terrace. Regardless of configuration uh, or number of folks, the Dunlap Champions Club, a great uh, event space and can accommodate your needs. For more information, Mr. Jones? Let's see. You should call the FSUChampionsClub.com. Excuse me. FSUChampionsClub.com do you website. Call, do you call the website or do you, you just log into you the You call the number. Oh, what's the number? The number is 644-1830 or, again, online, FSU championsclub.com he's keith i'm tom we're done broadcasting live from the prime meridian bank studios in the capital city of tallahassee this is front row knowles with tom block and keith jones front row knowles is brought to you by cornerstone tool and fastener online at ctf.nu now here's tom and keith Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ are here once again. Keith, welcome home. I know you hopped that direct flight from all, Greenville, Spartanburg into Tallahassee. Yeah. From South Carolina, and boy, am I arms tired. Oh, God. Just when I think we can't start a show in worse fashion than the previous week, I let you talk. So that was a that was a nice <laughs> win last night, though. A, 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 a huge win. Uh, you know, and one of the things that it, it is comforting – and maddening at the same time is Coach Hamilton because he doesn't get too high, he doesn't get too low, and every team is well coached. And they have a rich tradition, and they got great players, and it's tough to win on the road, but it's blah blah blah. But I think this team took a little step last night, uh, and you and I were talking before we came on the air. Most specifically, Cabin Gailey took a step last night. You know, last two games... We don't want Cabin Gailey taking too many steps, Keith. We're all right. True. We're all this right. Is true. Stay where you are, Fee. This is true from that from that perspective. But I think two things have happened with Fee, and I'll be interested to see as he goes forward. Number one, Kamaji had those back-to-back double-doubles. And though they're teammates, they play the same position. And if the boy that's playing and the, and the man that's playing the same position as you is having some outstanding games, you kind of want to have some outstanding games on your own. And number two, the Thomas kid, the A&M transfer that's at Clemson, is a big dude. He is a physical dude. And and Cabin Gailey came in at about the 16-minute mark, 15-50 mark, and got abused on a couple of defensive sets. I mean, Thomas just took it to him. And Fee got annoyed, slash, fill in whatever word you want to. And he played with a different mentality last night than I've seen him. It's been good all along, but he took it up another notch. And I think uh, I think this team, Fee in particular, the team in general, uh, has some newfound confidence about them in the way they performed last night. We knew they were better than where their record was in the conference when they were one and four. I don't know that I knew an eight-game winning streak was about to come. We knew the schedule would lighten a little bit, but eight games in the ACC, unlike the TV announcers last night, I'm not going to scoff at it. Uh, it does include wins at Syracuse, a win over a good Louisville team. 
and uh, and the rest of the ACC for that matter. So they're they're sitting at nine and four right now, which uh, technically they're tied with Louisville. But if the season ended today because of the head to head, they would be the four seed and have the double bye. And, and Coach uh, Associate Head Coach Stan Jones and I were talking about that after the game because you know he was plotting and looking at it. Uh, uh, maybe Coach Hamilton doesn't want the players to do that, but the coaches do look at it. And he said, you know, in season ends today. We're, we're the number four seed. We do get that double bye. And uh, while you've got five more games to play and there's other times to talk about that, it's certainly setting itself up well. Of course, you have a game at Carolina this week, and that's a rather big one. Carolina plays Duke tonight. And uh, the Tar Heels, same conference record as FSU, though. You know, it's interesting. Florida, I beg your pardon, 10-2, and 10-2 and yeah. two for Carolina. Florida State's had some success in the Dean Dome. You know, the first time they go up there, the, the wine and cheese game, Florida State's victorious. Uh, it's not as uh, bad as, as you know, some other arenas. Florida State's never won at Notre Dame, for example. Played much less games, but never won uh, in, in the pavilion out there. So it's a game that Florida State can go into. It's a game that they can play well. It's a game that others will know that they can play well and hang with Carolina. Doesn't mean they're going to win. But that should be a fairly, fairly good matchup when Saturday. Oh, it'll be an entertaining basketball game because Carolina, it's, you know, Carolina's more interested in out-athleting you and playing offense than they are in playing defense. So there's been a lot of 195 type games when FSU and Carolina play, I feel like. And one of the things that's happened against Florida State, and I noticed it again last night, because Florida State can run one through five, and candidly, 1 through 11, 1 through 12, doesn't matter who's on the court. Anybody can bring the ball up. They can transition with anybody. Clemson was dropping four and sometimes five people. Clemson was not worried about the offensive glass at all. They were much more worried about keeping Florida State out of the transition game. Well, come Saturday, you've got probably the two best transition teams in the ACC. I uh, don't no, no disrespect to Duke. I know they can run well, too. But you're exactly right. This, this is not going to be a 49-47 ball game. That might be 49-47 at halftime Right, come Saturday. Right, exactly right. So uh, congrats to the men's basketball team. We'll talk to Tim Linnefeld about that a little bit. The uh, The men's team, there's there's five games left, but they're potentially on record pace here in terms of ultimate ACC success, and that's only going to help your seeding related to the NCAA tournament. This was a, a banner week for FSU athletics uh, over the weekend. I mean, just – everybody's winning 14 victories did i read that correctly something like that i mean softball is just basically softball took a field that you know half those teams the same teams may all be in oklahoma city they beat them all baseball throws a no hitter and goes unbeaten women's tennis beat florida last night uh times are good right now you know one of the things that women's basketball got back on track with a big win over Pitt. one of the things that's debated back and forth you know is this age-old thing about where do you spend your dollars and can you have comprehensive excellence or do you specialize in one area? Um, no, Again, no disrespect to the Tigers, who Florida State played in basketball last night, but Clemson finished 52nd in the Director's Cup. Florida State finished ninth. Now, I know we didn't win the national championship in football, and we had a losing season, but there's also something to be said about that excellence across all fields. And uh, right now, FSU is is achieving, in my opinion, Something that's never been done in school history relative to how well all of the different teams, men and women, are playing and performing. 
Well, what's happened this past year, I mean, Florida State has had plenty of years where they finished in the top 10 in the Director's Cup. But this last year, you got the icing on the cake because you got a couple of national titles in there. Uh, one of them, which actually counts in this year's Director's Cup with soccer, if you will. But more than that, I mean, when you look at it, softball is going to compete for a national title again this year. Uh, beach volleyball starts this week and they've been in the top four they were runners up a year ago they're going to pick i don't know a thing about beach volleyball but i guarantee fsu is going to be in contention for the national title this year soccer is going to be in contention to repeat uh you know women's basketball has defied uh the odds and the predictions i don't think uh, sue semra has gotten enough credit for what she's done with that team she lost her entire starting lineup five seniors and lost her two assistants energy a and, and you know had an injury and and lost three players to season-ending injuries. And and meanwhile, that team, they're not out of the running for a double buy in the ACC tournament either. It's going to be tough. They play at Miami on Sunday. So uh, she and her staff and, and her team have done a really good job. It's just, it's been good. And what you bring up, uh, and, and it hasn't, well, Florida State has articulated that they want to be excellent comprehensively uh, because you could have a deeper discussion in light of athletic department financial challenges right now about what do we want to do do we want to do the Clemson model? Uh, and and Clemson's just the school you mentioned. There's probably a lot you could say. It. Or do we want to be comprehensively excellent? Which really started, I mean, the first time I remember hearing that term comprehensive excellence was when Dave Hart was AD. And they started redoing facilities in the 90s. And, you know, now 20 years later, uh, not that it's taken to this point, because there's been a lot of really good years in there. But you, you, are, you are seeing the return on the investment. There's no yeah. question. Yeah. Uh, on the football front, Florida State uh, welcomed home Ron Dugans a few weeks ago. We're going to be uh, privileged to have him join the show uh, next segment. He is the wide receivers coach. Had a pretty good career. and You think? I, I, I would I would say so. I mean, certainly in, at the college level, he happened to play. If you played here in the 90s, chances are you played for two or three national titles. Well, he was on the 98, 99, 2000, and the 96 team, I guess. So he played for four. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think he redshirted 97. So all four years he was eligible. FSU played for national title now if I have that math right even if you don't three out of four would be real good yeah but beyond that he played in the pros for a few years with the Bengals coached at the pro level has coached with Taggart before has coached for Mark Richt who was his coordinator but uh Chris Hatcher uh you know when he was first kid so he's he's got good pedigree uh on top of being a Tallahassee and who's back home well and I think that also you, you hate to make too big a deal out of it but but he is coming home this is where his family is uh, in terms of where he grew up, um, and uh, and knowing Ron, by by no means do I know him terribly well, but I've had the opportunity to visit with him and watch him. Uh, he's a he's a man of character. He's a man of depth. Uh, he's not just out there for himself. He's out there for a bigger bigger picture. Um, he will tell you uh, that uh, you know part of his motivation is giving back in return for the things that he's been gifted with. And uh, I think he brings a great deal of stability and, and maturity uh, to this staff, not not to say that the others don't, but he certainly adds to what Coach Taggart is trying to build. We will chat with Florida State's receivers coach, Ron Dugans, uh, and then our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt. And uh, we'll, we're just getting started, but it's a good show tonight. Thanks for tuning in. Back with more right after this on Front Row Knowles.
Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and Keith. And as we open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, I'll remind you, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We say hello to, I don't want to say former Knoll, because once a Knoll, always a Knoll. But I do want to say welcome home to Ron Dugans. And I had a chance to talk with uh, Ron briefly at the signing day event. Coach, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Doing great. Loving life. You commented to the crowd that night that there's no place like home, and now that you've been back in Tallahassee for a couple of weeks, I'll let you expound upon that thought. How has it been to return home? Well, it's been great. Um, just seeing a lot of familiar faces, um, seeing a lot of familiar places. Um, it still hadn't slowed down for me yet, but it's, it's been a, a, a nice welcome back from everybody. Um, you know, some people could stop by the stadium to say hello. And uh, some of the former coaches, I uh, talked to Coach Andrews a couple of days ago, and um, it, it's, it's been overwhelmed at times, but um, it, it's been a great feeling, you know, just to get a chance to um, sit in, in my office and knowing that the stadium that I played in is right behind me. Um, it, it's been very exciting. Ron, we can tell you're already a fixture at, at home because you've lost your voice uh, either from yelling too much during the chase or you probably got reacquainted with the Tallahassee crud that all of us suffer from every now and then this time of year. Uh, I've been telling our I've been telling our listeners since you've been back. Uh, I'm gonna tell a quick story on myself. Uh, 1999 uh, Sugar Bowl. Um, I, I walked out of the locker room with Paul Kennedy and I. We were doing some shooting for Sun Sports and walked out with Winky and with. Um, um, uh, Peter Warwick. Peter Warwick, thank you. <laughs> While I'm talking to Ron, I can't. Okay, I'm just making sure. Uh, and uh, I We're walk, like a I married walk, couple, Ron. I have to fill in the blanks on the story. And Ronnie, you I, I, walk, I walk by the end of the locker, and, and there's number 80 up there. And, and laying in that locker was a, was, a, was a helmet that was just calling my name. And, and, and Ron, I have your helmet in my office at the Earl Bacon Agency. <laughs> Wow. I've had it. I've had it for the last twenty years. It sits right wow. up there with the one I walked out with on January one, nineteen eighty one, in the old old Orange Bowl, with Jimmy Callaway hollering at me because he didn't want me to take the helmet. And so I, I've I've taken care of your helmet, brother. It's in my office. You're welcome to come by and get it anytime you want to. It's well preserved, and and it'd be my pleasure to give it back to you. Wow, no, no, that that is awesome, man. That, that that's awesome. That, that's that's good to know. <laughs> yeah, he, he waited for he waited for the statute of limitations to expire before he fessed up to that well right? that and the fact that, that jimmy doesn't get around so well now he can't chase me down <laughs> yeah he does he doesn't get around too well it's funny man that that uh take the national championship game uh before we we were leaving the hotel uh pete and i and we were going down the elevator and pete said uh hey i'm gonna get three touchdowns tonight and i said heck if you get three i'm gonna get two and we ended up doing a game. You know, he got three touchdowns, and I got two touchdowns. And that, that was that was a, a amazing man. That was a, a good story, a good ending uh, for us. But yeah, I need that helmet. <laughs> Understood. Understood. <laughs> you you called the shot. That's a great story. I hadn't heard. So let me let me ask you this. And uh, we're walking down memory lane, but we'll get to to the current Knowles here momentarily. Uh, mm-hmm. 
the the sugar bowl's out but you mentioned you know you're settling into your new office and fsu fans know that the coach's office has overlooked the field at doe campbell so yeah. what is as you look out that uh that window and you see doke what's your favorite memory that happened inside doke campbell while you were playing the favorite my favorite memory um uh, I think I have two. One of them was uh, Peter Wark against La Tech. Uh on reverse. Where that was the first time I seen one player make eleven guys miss um, in a game. And then the the second is uh, the reverse pass from Pete uh, to myself uh, while we were playing against the Gators uh, to go up and win that game. And that was, <laughs> I've never heard the crowd that loud, you know, after that touchdown. And I, Pete was running sprints to come celebrate with us, and the whole team was there, man. That, that was that was something um, that I'll always remember. Um, that play was, you know, our last year. And just to see the fans go as wild as they did uh, and at that time, um, it, it was an amazing moment. You know what added to that, too, and – Fans who were there watched the game live remember it, but if you just went back and looked at the clip, you wouldn't know. But the previous play was like a 50-yard touchdown run for Travis Miner that got called back. And so the crowd went nuts, celebrated, and then it got wiped off the board. And the very next play, you guys scored from midfield. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. And I think and Coach Rick set it up really well. Um, it was a play we had been working on. and Actually, I think we ran, we ran it against Clemson. Uh, and Peter overthrew me, and um, Coach Coach Bounds like, hey, call that call that play, call that play. I'm like, Coach, what play? That that pass that pass thing for Peter. And Coach Rick called it, and and man, it it was successful, big time play. A lot of folks that that haven't had the opportunity to play the game uh, don't uh, appreciate the fact, and, and you're alluding to it in a way, uh, Ronnie. You always remember your last game, but but the one you really remember is your last home game. Yeah, because then you're going to come back to that stadium the next year and five years and ten years, and you're going to reminisce and and remember uh, that last home game. And for yeah. those of us that uh, left in appropriate years, where it was against the Gators, uh, that was just a special time, uh, regardless of the decade or regardless of the outcome of the game. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You always remember that the last one. Um, you know, like myself, even in high school, I went the last place I played my last high school game. Was at uh, Jacksonville University Christian, and the first time I stepped on that football field, and we had lost a game my last year playoff game. Everything that I had gone through in life, because I was recruiting at the time, I think I was at Louisville, but everything I had gone through in life just flashed before me, you know, and just the adversity, the, the happy times, the good times. Uh, my grandmother, family, everything flashed before me. Just the adversity. And, where I was able to persevere through a lot of things, it just brought me to tears. It's a you special, know? special time. There's no question. Yes, sir. Let me ask you this. You mentioned Mark Richt, who was your coordinator when you were at FSU, and you spent the last three years on his staff at Miami. Yes, sir. Sort of a two-part question, I guess, uh, which is not the best way to ask it. So let me just ask one. Were you surprised at all that, that he decided to hang it up? Uh, I, probably, I probably was one of the coaches that spent the most time uh, with Coach Rick, um, it didn't surprise me. I think maybe when it happened, kind of surprised. Um, I thought it possible to maybe be the year after, you know. But um, 
it, it, it somewhat surprised me, but not not it didn't, not really. And then the second question, and I know it's a business, which may be the answer, but how odd was it, given your garnet and gold roots, to be on the other side of the rivalry for those three years, understanding that you're going to be loyal to your employer and, and do the best for that mm-hmm. side? I tell you what, that was that was the toughest decision that I ever had to make in my life. You know, and that that decision in itself was too big for me to make by myself. Um, you know, you always think about when you're making decisions. You know, your family comes first. You know, and a lot of people don't understand that. You just can't make decisions for yourself. You know, when you have a wife and you have kids. You know, you just can't make decisions on, on your own. And when I made a decision, you know, it, it took me, you know, having to not be able to make a decision in uh, South Florida. I had to come to Tallahassee, you know, and I, I prayed and prayed and prayed about it because I prayed every decision I made, I prayed about it. And, you know, this particular time I saw my grandmother, you know, I felt the presence of my grandmother, you know, and, just praying about it, and you know, she always told me that it's it's never about my timing. You know, it's not about any university's timing. It's not about the head coach's timing. It's about God's timing. And my grandmother was a very spiritual woman, and she instilled a lot in me. And I kept that, you know, to heart. You know, I know she's passed now, but. <clears throat> You know, as far as me making decisions, I know a lot of people talk about, oh, it's money, you're getting paid, it's a business decision. I, that's not even close to my mind, you know, because it, it's bigger than that. You know, I didn't get into this profession for money. I got into this profession to give back to the younger generation that grew up like I did. You know, so when I made a decision, um, it was it was strictly off of prayer and the timing that I felt um, at that time. You know, and I, it was tough because you... You know, of course, different social media, uh, people giving you a hard time, you know, about your loyalty to your alma mater. I mean, I bleed, going and go. I mean, I've sweat, shed blood, fractured, broken stuff, you know, going to class, did exams, ran stadiums, did up-downs, went through off-season conditioning. Uh, A lot of people can't say they did that at Florida State, won a national title. You know, I've done a lot for my university, you know, and my university has done a lot for me. So it means more to me than a decision that involves money. Very well said, Ronnie. Very well said. Fast forward to today. Uh, You've had a chance to obviously uh, begin the work with uh, Coach Bryles. First impressions, uh, what do you think about him, and how do you think uh, Florida State's offense moves forward? Great guy. You know, he's a great guy. He's been nothing but – uh, a blessing in, in the room as far as me with the rest of the staff. Uh, he's been great. Yes, sir. No, sir. Guy. Um, he knows his craft. He knows what he wants to do. Um, we all have coach visions, tag, uh, coach uh, Tiger's vision. You know, he wants to play fast, you know, get the ball out in space and let our athletes go run and score touchdowns, you know. So he, he's been really good uh, for the room. A lot of the guys respect him. And um, I think we're going to have some fun this year. I've been telling our listeners, and I may be wrong. It won't be the first time I'm wrong most of the time. Tom will tell you that. Um, but Coach Bryles doesn't technically have a playbook. Is is, is yeah. that is that an accurate statement? 
Uh, I would say, you know, and I, I, I've been around I was with, when I was with Chris Hatcher at uh, Georgia Southern, you know, that now with Sanford, you know, it, it was similar. You know, you talk about the air raid and all that stuff and everything. It, it's it's not technically a handed out playbook, you know, but these kids have something to study. Let me ask you, going back to Coach Taggart, you spent a couple uh, two years with him at, at USF. Mm-hmm. What do we not yet know about Coach Taggart, or what is the FSU fan base not appreciating about what he brings to the table? The thing about Coach Taggart, you know, when Coach Taggart goes to a program, and whether that program is not at his best at the time when he arrives there, you know, and he's been a, a few different places that when he's going there, maybe he didn't win the first year, you know, but his second and third or fourth years, I mean, he's done a really good job, you know, but most importantly, Coach Taggart, he demands that you spend time with your players. He demands that you spend time with your players and show your players that it's more to life than just football and academics. It's about showing these guys how to be great fathers, all right, and great husbands, you know, and it, it reminds me of Coach Bowden. You know, he, he wants you to spend time with your guys and show you guys that that you care about them, you know. You know, he wants you to spend time with your family, you know. So it, it's very important that, you know, Coach Taggart has a vision, all right, it's the Florida State vision, all right, the Coach Taggart Florida State uh, vision. And I think he's done a really good job, you know, because you hear all the, the crap and all that stuff and everything, which doesn't mean the thing, you know, because, you know, we always talk about staying in our own cocoon and keep working to get the university better. You know, but he, he he's about us. He's about the staff. He's about the kids, you know, and I'm excited for him. I mean, I, I've known him uh, for a while. Um, not only uh, is he my boss, but, you know, we're friends. And I'm excited uh, as far as the opportunity goes to make uh, Florida State uh, back to what it used to be. But I'll say make Florida State better than what it used to be. You know, and so now we can talk about the 2019, 2020, and so on and so forth seasons, all right, and bring it back to happiness and everybody cheering and all that stuff. Man, I'm I'm just excited. Ron, I know you haven't had a chance to go through practice. I know you've only been here a short period of time, but your your first initial impression of your group, the wide receiver group, what did you inherit and the new kids that are coming in? What what are your expectations? What are you going to be working on when you get into spring ball? The, the biggest thing of myself when I when I saw my guys, uh, when I saw our guys, they uh, they look good. All right, uh, Tamar and Terry and Keith Gavin and Ontario Wilson, and the list goes on. I mean, it's just those a lot of those guys are going on there. Um, a lot of those guys, they look good. They want to learn. They want to be taught. You know, they want to get better. You know, early on it was a little slow. You know, but now they're starting to understand through the chase what it means to strain, you know, and not just strain physically. That mental strain has a mental toughness also, you know. So going in the spring ball, you know, I'm big on technique and fundamentals, all right? Catching the football, route running, blocking on the perimeter, taking pride in everything that you do, you know. So I'm trying to make sure these guys, they finish, all right, every drill, all right, 
with maximum effort, straining, you know, so that can carry over uh, in the discipline and the details. And if I say have your toe behind that line, have your toe behind the line. If I say touches your right hand, you touches your right hand. If they don't fall step, you don't fall step. So one of the biggest things also is discipline. You know, teaching these guys um, just the discipline part of them. That's that's been what we've been stressing: just the detail and discipline and strain on every rep. You know, winning every rep. You know, I'm going to ask these guys to win on every play. It's good to hear your voice and have you back in uh, Tallahassee. Welcome home, Ron. Yes, sir. Glad glad to be back. Like I said before, there's no place like home. Um, I really do appreciate you guys uh, keeping time. Uh, it means a lot to me um, to get a chance to fellowship uh, back at home. You know, so I'm excited. I'm ready to roll and um, go nose. And and just one more time for the record, it's Keith that has your helmet. I don't have a jersey or anything that's yours. Keith, I'm in the hallway looking for you right now, buddy. I understand, brother. I understand. <laughs> All right. Oh, Wide receiver coach for Florida State, Ron Dugans. Uh, good to have him back. Uh, it's exciting to think that spring practice is not that far away here. It I mean, is they're, not. They're in the chase. We get started up. Um, and I know you're excited. Hammer's coming in for the, you know, Tone Loke, the I'm, big postgame guy. I, I mean, I'm thinking about buying some new pants, some new britches. Oh. Can you imagine? No, I can't. Can't I, touch I, that. I, I really don't want to. Nor would I. Uh, you do want to head over to Madison Social, though, and uh, they're the place to go. As you know, they are the viewing locale for all FSU basketball uh, road games. I'm not sure if you've noticed. You probably have since you travel with the team. But basketball games have become a pretty good thing around here. I mean, it's not, only, ba- not bad to look at. It's only it? eight straight. There's a small little game this Saturday that's on the road in Chapel Hill. Well, 3, 345 tip. And I'm just suggesting... Madison Social probably have a pretty good crowd for that one. And, and there's a game tonight that impacts one of those teams that plays on that Saturday that we might also want to look at, too, that supposedly you can buy tickets for about the same price you can get Super Bowl tickets. For. Yes, yeah, exactly right. That would be Duke and Carolina tonight. By the way, uh, dollar hot dogs during the uh, those games at Madso. So you might find me there on Saturday. You'll be in the Dean Dome. I might be at Madso. We will come back and uh, talk to our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, momentarily. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Back on Front Row Knowles, our Seminoles.com insider Tim Linnefelt will join us. Tim, you'll be happy to know Keith is going to buy a new pair of parachute pants for the spring game uh, 90s concert version 2. I thought they were balloon pants. Either way, either way. Uh, are you more in the uh, the hammer or the tone loke side of the ledger here for this uh, con- uh, concert that's been announced, Tim? That's a, that's a good question. Obviously, uh, I probably have more memories of uh, MC Hammer, but I, I don't know. I was kind of partial to uh, the tone loke, uh, to be perfectly honest. With you. And I think part of the, the tone loke appeal was he was in a bunch of movies. You know, when I was a kid, he was in like Ace Ventura and Surf Ninjas and all those uh, movies that were geared to you know, 10 or 12 year old when I was 10 or 12 years old. So I think that kind of factors in a lot. Thanks for making Keith and I feel old by pointing out that you were a kid during their heyday. Really old. (laughs) Um, 
But, you know, speaking of flashing back to the 90s, I mean, football's not back to the 90s level, but apparently every other sport at Florida State is going to be as good as what football was in the 90s because this is a pretty good run we got going right now. I mean, it's unbelievable. Certainly uh, the weekend, um, you know, when it just had everybody won, everybody uh, uh, put up some pretty big victories, and, uh, and certainly in softball's case, uh, beat some of the best teams in the country. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it really is. Uh, it's, it's been pretty spectacular. And then follow that up with women's tennis beating Florida again. Um, it's been a heck of a week for uh, for Florida State Athletics, and really, I mean, it's just you know, carry it on back a, a year or more. When you think about the national titles from last year and the, the consistent run of success that the entire department has had, uh, I mean, honestly, what over the last three, four, five years? Um, I mean, I don't know. Has never really been anything like it uh, here uh, up to this point. And uh, yeah, I mean, these are kind of halcyon days for for the athletics department as a whole. Tim, it's not really feasible that the softball team could lose Jesse Warren and get better, is it? Well, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Uh, maybe. Uh, on paper, no, I guess. But, uh, but I mean, the results speak for themselves. And, you know, you, you, what they did um, down in that tournament, and again, it's a, it's a long season and it's still in its infancy. But, I mean, you're, you're going down there and you're playing against, uh, you know, World Series caliber competition. Um, and you know, you're not just winning. I mean, you're you're dominating. I mean, you're it's, it's not even a, you know a reasonable competition in in some of these games. Um, so I mean, they are definitely rolling. Uh, I'm on record as saying they're going to go undefeated throughout the entire season and uh, and win the national championship wire to wire. Um, that's that's how I feel about it. Uh, but man, it's uh, it's really impressive because again, I you know I do think that uh, you could have expected that reasonably expected that they could take some time to you know, get their legs under them and, and have some new players and some new roles and adjust to life without Jesse Warren, adjust to life also uh, without Kylie Hansen, who played such a big uh, role as a pitcher last year. Um, and maybe those things will still come. But as of right now, that has not been the case. Uh, all I've got to say is 15 home runs in six games. I mean, good grief, right? I mean, that that's just that's almost unheard of. The, the most impressive part of that is uh, somebody tweeted out that the, the starting lineup they started against Tennessee, one through nine, had all homebred during the weekend tournament. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, – well, we got all season to talk about them. Baseball's going unbeaten apparently too, right? I mean, they, they when you open 11s last year with an 11 nothing no-hitter, that has to be some sort of omen or sign karma, or something, karma right? somewhere. I mean, yeah. If you if you don't believe in uh, if you don't believe in omens and superstitions, uh, one, you're probably not a baseball fan, uh, and two, I mean, I don't know. It might might make you rethink some things after watching that. Uh, really, don't don't forget. At least at the time, they were the uh, the eleventh ranked team uh, in the country, which I think factors in as well. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, that sport more than any. I'm, I'm looking up to the to the skies and, and seeing all these signs. Now, the the big question, of course, can they get a game in? Obviously, uh, the game uh, against Jacksonville last night was moved to tonight. Um, and at least last I heard, they were still keeping an eye on the weather. Uh, so hopefully that holds off for those guys. But uh, but yeah, lots of good things and plenty to like uh, from that first weekend, particularly uh, in that opening night. I'll just opine that if the last game of 11s last year is an 11 nothing no-hit shutout, then it will have been a pretty good year. I mean, you would certainly think so, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, I saw on Seminoles.com that you and Lane Hurt had an opportunity to sit down with uh, Kendall Bryles. And uh, we heard from from Ron Dugan's uh, last segment. He talked a little bit about uh, working with Kendall and his impressions. What was your impression as you met Florida State's new offensive coordinator and uh, listened to him talk? No, I thought he was a pretty impressive guy. Um, really sharp. Obviously, has uh, pedigree. Has has been uh, in the game his whole life and studying this type of offense, given his background, uh, his whole life. I mean, you know, he's not uh, 
a guy who is adapting what he does to fit what Willie Taggart wants. I mean, this is a guy who's, who's grown up uh, in and around, uh, hurry up, no huddle offenses, spread offenses. He knows how to go fast. He understands it uh, intrinsically. Uh, so to me, you know, that's a really uh, impressive thing, a, a really cool thing to, to see. Uh, you know, they're alert. Just look look forward to see how it unfolds. Uh, I mean, he, uh, he he knows what this offense is all about. Uh, and I thought, you know, the most impressive thing uh, that really stood out to me uh, was what he said was, you know, there's a question about you know coming to a place like Florida State and, and being given an opportunity to make your mark here. And his answer was, well, you know, basically that's great, you know, but I'm not thinking about it in terms of making my mark. I'm here to try to make help make Coach Taggart the best head coach in the country. And uh, you know, I think given uh, the, all the events of the last few months and and, and you know the, the off season thus far. Uh, to me, that's got to be uh, music to the ears of Florida State fans, right? He also said something, uh, and I don't know if it was intentional or coach speak, but he said something to the effect of, you know, I've bounced around a little bit lately. It's nice to be somewhere I'm going to be for a little while. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but if that's a true statement, i.e., uh, you know, in a little while, I mean, we've had, this is the third offense coordinator in three years, right? So if you get one that stays two or three years, that would not be insignificant. No, absolutely right. And, you know, just getting some continuity there in, in a, a clear vision. Uh, I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Somebody who's, uh, whose offensive philosophies and, and background in the sport, both as a player as a coach, uh, are perfectly aligned with with what you want to do. And then you get a guy that, yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, given his resume and uh, he's obviously uh, potentially a rising star in this business. And then you know what happens when uh, you know coaches, particularly offensive coordinators, have a lot of success. Other schools come calling with with you know potential promotions. But I mean, the idea, and then certainly if you're if that's happening uh, to, to Kendall Browse at Florida State, that, you know, that that probably means that this offense has been rolling. So I think at that point, if you're a Florida State fan, you would take that. Um, but uh, all things considered, the idea that, that somebody with, with his background and his uh, offensive acumen that, that is aligned so well with what you want to do, uh, the prospect of getting some continuity with that guy and, and, and getting into a rhythm and, and getting that offense uh, you know, kind of oiled and running uh, and allowing him to, to be a part of the recruiting process and, and, and recruit uh, the players that he wants with the resources and backing of, of Florida State. I mean, it's a pretty enticing proposition, right? Tim, we, we it's one of those things we don't know until we know. And, and one of the things we did find out in the last week is that uh, Coach Fry w- was dismissed. And, you know, the rumor mills, depending on who you talk to and what you talk to about, uh, you know, the, the offensive line coach from Houston coming in, et cetera, et cetera, reportedly in town. Uh, do, do we know anything more definitively other than the stories are out there? More definitive, definitively, no. Uh, I mean, I know what you know, which is that uh, you know we all expect that, that Willie Taggart is not finished um, remaking his staff. Uh, we know there's been a lot of, uh, of smoke, uh, warm smoke, if there is such a thing, uh, regarding the future of the offensive line position. Uh, and I would expect, um, based on everything that uh, that has been out there this week, uh, that we'll have some more clarity on that uh, sooner rather than later. And uh, I'm like you, I suspect that that'll be somebody. Uh, who Kendall Bryles is is plenty familiar with. One of the things that happened this week, Tim, and you were there, several of the freshmen who were not uh, available to speak to the media last year did meet the media earlier this week. And one of the things that slipped out was that Odell Higgins is now coaching the full defensive line. Is there any more to that story, or what light can you shed there? Uh, I you know you kind of the same thing. Yeah, you know what I know. I mean, we heard kind of whispers of that, and uh, and I was curious to see. You know how it would shake out. Um, you know, like I said, I still think that, that Willie Taggart is moving some pieces around um, with his staff, and and I don't know 
you know, whether, you know, how it's all going to be finalized. I so suppose there's some moves uh, to be made between now and, and when, um, when spring practice starts. Yeah, I don't know about you, but uh, hearing at the, uh, the National Signing Day party, um, hearing, that, Mark, hearing Mark Snyder talk about uh, the, the, the kicking prospects and the, and the special teams uh, signees uh, certainly, to me, seemed to be a, a hint or an indicator that, uh, that he might be taking over special team duties. Uh, obviously, that doesn't necessarily mean that he can't coach something else. Uh, we've seen that plenty of times uh, in the past where a coach will share position duties uh, and with, uh, with special teams duties as well. So um, I think that it's still kind of being worked out. But, uh, but you know, Robert Cooper said it, and, and nobody has since contradicted that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, as of now, I would expect it, that uh, Odell Higgins might be coaching the entire defensive line. Well, let's just finish all of the speculation. Is the, is the Louisville quarterback going to get a waiver or not? I don't know. <laughs> Well, I'm thanks. Sure that, you know, thanks for scintillating well, radio. Well, there. I don't think anybody. Well, I don't think anybody knows. No, if, if we kidding, knew, Tim. we'd have it, right? Yeah, but, I know. Uh, I mean, it's, it's the uh, the wheels in that machine. Uh, I think kind of turn slowly. You've seen, um, you know, they 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 have slowly news on that sort of thing has slowly been trick, trickling out with some of the uh, the the guys across the country, uh, some of those transfers. So I would expect uh, that we would know something before too terribly long. But uh, but man, it's the NCA, right? You uh, your guess is as good as mine as far as the rhyme and reason and. And, uh, and how they dole those things out. Hey, what impressed you about the football players that you got a chance to talk to the other day? A lot, really. Uh, you, know, you know, what uh, what really stood out to me, and, and you know, I get, uh, you know, if you're, uh, if you're inclined to skepticism or cynicism as a fan, you can roll your eyes at this, and that's fine, but um, was just kind of how undeterred um, they all were by this past season. Um, you know, nobody really seems too worried about it. Nobody's confident. Uh, seems shaken. Uh, nobody is doubting their decision uh, to come to Florida State. I mean, everybody is is in, um, and then that makes sense. They're all young guys, and they're all uh, you know they're all Coach Taggart's first signees, first class. Um, so um, you know they're here because of him, um, and that's not to say anything about the uh, the upper class. And you know uh, that's just kind of the way uh, it is with, when there's a coaching change. But there is a line of you know, demarcation, so to speak, uh, because these guys. Uh, we're part of Coach Sagar's first class, and, and, you know, they're all in with him. They're bought in with him. Um, you know, they say that they see signs of growth um, and that, they, uh, and that they, they, they took last season personally, um, and they're motivated by it, but they're also not discouraged by it. Um, and so, to me, that was a pretty cool thing. Uh, and then also talking to some of the, uh, the West Coast guys, you know, we talked to Jaden Woodby and Cam McDonald, who are from California, and Trayshawn Harrison, who's uh, from Seattle, Washington, and, you know, there's certainly been uh, a smattering of, of West Coast players, like high-profile West Coast players that come through here over the years. Um, but I don't know there's ever been uh, this many at the same time. Um, and I, you'd have to tell me the last time that Florida State had a guy from Seattle. I don't know that that's ever happened. Um, but talking to those guys, man, it's just a different, uh, it's a different feel, different vibe than talking to you know, kids from from South Florida, which there are so many of them. And Asante Samuel, who's from down there, uh, was one of the guys that talked. And um, you know, I don't think one's better or worse necessarily, but it's definitely a different vibe, um, different, um, like probably a different football culture. And uh, to watch those things uh, blend together, um, and, and you know, those guys from those different backgrounds all be on the same team and, and you know, part of the same cause or and in the same class. You know, I thought that was kind of a cool, um, unique, unique experience. And then uh, to follow up on that, one more thing is uh, uh, Jaden Lars would be who now is. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard Jaden Lars would be uh, is. What he prefers to go by last year, of course, was Jaden Woodby. Uh, I mean, he's about as impressive um, as a as a young student athlete as I've seen come through here um, in any sport. I know we talked about him a little bit um, before, but man, I mean, that guy is 
Um, one, I think he had you know really promising freshman year. So he's really good uh, potential on the field. But then to hear him speak and listen to the things that that he's into in terms of you know um, academics and community service and social activism and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, he cares a lot about the football field, but he cares a, a lot about being a well-rounded person away from it. And um, you know, he's, there's there's you know video interviews out there uh, with him from Monday. Check them out on uh, on Seminoles.com or or wherever. Um, I mean, I think any any Florida State fan who you know wants something to to be encouraged about or feel good about this week, you know, watch him talk. I mean, all those guys too, but but you know, make sure to uh, to check out Jaden's interview because yeah, I mean, he's a he's an impressive guy. Lofty expectation, lofty praise, but he reminds me does Jalen a lot of one Derwin James. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Certainly, in terms of uh, of being a player, um, you know, the in terms of personality, uh, you know, I'm not really sure, but in terms of versatility uh, and and what they want him to do uh, on the defense, uh, you know, I think that that's kind of the role he would like for him to play. Uh, I think that you know the. Uh, Everything outside of losing a seasoned injury, uh, I imagine Jaden wouldn't mind uh, following the, uh, the the footsteps of Derwin in terms of his career and, and you know, certainly where he is now. Tim, quick thought on men's basketball here. I'm going to queue up. I'm not going to write it for you, but uh, your your next article on Seminoles.com here. So Florida State's sitting at 9-4. and four. They got five games left. And as I look at the standings, four of those teams are beneath FSU in the standings including Wake and Notre Dame, which, uh, you know, should be wins in there. Uh, NC State and Virginia Tech, a little uh, closer to your record than Carolina. So I'm setting that up to point out that the most conference wins Florida State's ever had in an ACC season is 12, which they've done three times. 92-93 was Charlie's year. That's an Elite Eight team. Uh, 11-12, they won the ACC championship, went to the Sweet 16, and then 16-17 when they lost in the second round. And so ultimately that's the the – class maybe that underachieved a little bit but bottom line uh it would appear that they have a pretty good shot to at least get to 12 and maybe set a new uh, a new best ever mark no i definitely think so um you know look i mean you know daydream a little bit i don't think it's um out of the question at all that they could finish the regular season without losing another game i mean obviously that would require going to north carolina on saturday and winning there which is no easy feat i understand um but beyond that, you know, like you said, at at Wake Forest, I think you'd expect to win there. Notre Dame's really struggling. Wake Forest just beat them, uh, and then Virginia Tech and NC State are. Well, I think will both be uh, challenges, but they're both at home. And, and Florida State right now is over the last few years have been notoriously tough uh, to beat at home. So uh, you know, factor all that in. You know, we'll see how um, North Carolina, of course, plays Duke tonight, and we'll see how that goes, and if, if any of that could have an impact on the game Saturday. Uh, but if you're Florida State in mean, the way you're playing right now, I think you at least have reason to go in there with some confidence, right? Uh, and then if you go in there and win that game, I mean, why not think that you could win out the rest of the way? You, you heard uh, it right here, folks. Tim Lenefeld, yeah. Seminoles.com insider, is telling you 14 wins. I like it. Tim, we appreciate it. You got it, guys. Our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Lenefeld. We will react to that when we continue just after this on Front Row Knowles. Trees went back. Me and Dell were singing. 
Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles. Heard from Ron Dugans earlier in the show. Thanks to Coach Dugans and uh, welcome home again. Tim Linnefelt, last segment as always. Uh, so who is going to coach what? Well, I don't know. That's still TBD. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking about how to do this, but as Coach Taggart constructs his coaching staff or reconstructs, it's it, I don't know that it's been a do-it-yourself project, but but Cornerstone Tool and Fastener probably potentially could have helped. Could have helped. Still piecing things together. Uh, they can certainly help you on whatever do-it-yourself project you've got in mind. Probably, uh, you know, it may be yard work related right now because we're that time of year. So I put the mask on, by the way, because the pollen's coming and you don't want that oh. Tallahassee crud that it sounded like uh, Ron's got. Anyway, go tell Ron and uh, his staff we said hello. They're at 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. You can call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu. To your question about the coaches, so uh, we don't have official word yet, at least as we're talking, uh, about Randy Clements or Clements. I don't know the pronunciation, but the O-line coach from Houston being on board. But in light of the fact that Greg Fry is no longer on board, I think everybody has connected. And Clements has been spotted on campus, so that's going to happen. Um, but but back to what we talked about with Tim, that Odell's coaching the whole DL. Well, you need a special team. If you're trying to have one assistant be a special teams coach, which is what you did last year, and Alonzo Hampton's not here, uh, you can move somebody there and make them a full-time special teams coach. But in move, if, if that's what they're doing with Mark Snyder, which they haven't announced, the curious thing to me about that is you had four defensive assistants as it was. You already had fewer defensive assistants than offensive, and now you're going to take a guy off of defense and leave you with three defensive assistants. So in my mind, it begs the question, if you look at Snyder's resume, and uh, and he's been at it a while, but he spent 10 years coaching linebackers or outside linebackers or inside linebackers. So it makes me wonder, is he going to be special teams but also helping Raymond Woody with linebackers? Uh, because otherwise you're down to, and I should point out, Wesley McGriff, who it was reported back in December, January, the former uh, defensive coordinator, I guess, at Ole Miss, was going to be hired at FSU, took a job at Auburn today. So he's not coming to FSU. So you're not getting extra help in the secondary. At least you're not getting McGriff. I'm just wondering if they're not, you know, is special teams truly going to be one coach or are we going to find out that that David Kelly's coaching some of it? You know, kind of like what Bowden used to do. Well, and I've been a proponent. You've heard me and our listeners have heard me say, you know, you, you got Harlan handling the defensive backs and you're playing with five, sometimes six defensive backs. Really, you've got to, I think, instead of having a defensive line coach and a defensive end coach in the proper world, you'd have a corners and a safeties coach. You'd have two coaches in the backfield. Because mm-hmm. your point is exactly right. If if Snyder ends up just being special teams and Odell's handling the entire front, that means you basically have three quote-unquote assistant coaches coaching the defense, and you're going to end up with six on the offensive side the seventh being the special teams coach. That just doesn't seem to make sense mathematically. And yeah, from so I don't think we standpoint. know where this tinkering is going to end. I do know, uh, you know, we're talking about the the petition or the waiver for Jordan Travis, the quarterback, but they're trying to figure out can they move David Kelly to an off-field role too uh, in light of the fact that he was on the road recruiting. So there's still some variables out there for Florida State to sort it all out. And, and the other thing is a lot of people are criticizing Coach Taggart 
because it's taken this long or taking too long. And, you know, how much does Coburn have to play with it because of finances and how they're redoing contracts and those types of things? <clears throat> Pardon me. I don't, I don't think we'll ever know the answer, the true answer to all that and probably appropriately so. But I do know this. Article came out Monday, maybe Friday, that Alabama's got seven new on-field assistants. And that's the team that played for the national championship last year. And it's the same team. I think I think Saban's had somewhere now approaching 48 or 50 assistant coaches at his time at Alabama. And here we are three weeks after – two weeks after national signing day. So this whole thing of you got to have your staff in place in the middle of December and everybody's job identified and everybody's signed and everything done is is not reality anymore. This whole coaching thing, along with the transfer portal, along with the transfers, along with the grad transfers, this this model that we're used to of consistency of things is just out the window. Well, I think that's part of it. You just said the word consistency. So think about Bowden, who had the same staff forever and ever and ever, from Billy Sexton to Chuck Amato to Mickey Andrews. I mean, Mark Richt was here. For, Jim Gladden. Uh, Jimmy Higgins, whether people liked him or not, was coaching the offense. I mean, those guys Jeffrey. Were, were all here. So just having change is different, but it is more the norm now, no question about it. Even Jimbo, uh, and we talked about the hindsight thing, related to recruiting last week but the you know everything is easy to figure out after you know the way the events fell so Jimbo got criticized for being too loyal wouldn't fire any of his assistants and now Taggart is getting criticized for changing too many and not doing it in timely fat you know what I mean so we just uh and there's been a lot of talk about Greg Fry and I don't know the circumstances there but we're only one year removed from Rick Trickett being in limbo we didn't know the whole month of uh december when he was out recruiting prior to that early signing period whether he was coming back or not we figured he wasn't but he was out on the road recruiting doing all that same thing and then ultimately it came to be that he wasn't back and by the way travis his son just moved and took a, a offensive coordinator position somewhere i shouldn't brought it up without knowing what it is but uh, his his lineage is out there making waves again that's a sterling report right there this is only, this is the type of insight we don't you know only where get. and we don't know what. This is the type Pretty of insight. Sure he got a job though. This is the type of insight you will only get on this side of the uh, dais. Uh, Mr. Block will. Uh, 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 he he has nothing to do with everything Mr. Jones just said in the last thirty seconds, and in the entire history of the show, for that matter. Oh, shut up. So, what do you think about Carolina on the road at the Dean Dome this week as we I, wrap I, up? I like the chances uh, for a couple reasons that are dumb. Number one, they got to play Duke tonight. And Florida State's going to watch that game, so you got an extra day of rest, if you will. Plus, they're going to be coming off of whether they win or lose, you know, their rivalry game. That game's at Duke, right? Uh, I do not know the answer to that. See, well, I, the point I was go ahead, go ahead, finish your thought. Number two, again, earlier comment. I really think this team is continuing to grow uh, in confidence, and I think the Clemson game is going to go a long ways towards that. I think. Uh, individually, Kevin Gailey uh, took another step in his development. And, and it's not like Florida State has been absolutely shut out in the Dean Dome. It's a terribly, terribly difficult place to play. But Florida State has had some success there. And uh, I, I just like the way it, it, it matches up. I think it's going to be a very entertaining ball game, And I like Florida State's chances come Saturday. 
It's going to be a fun game. That's for sure. Uh, it is at Duke. What I was going to point out is that Carolina, I mean, it's going to be really late before they get back home after having to return from Durham eight, all the way to all Chapel. Eight miles. I mean, they're going to be exhausted. All I don't know how miles. they're going to be able to get back up for that game on well, Saturday. They'll have to give, just have to give them a couple of days off to rest. Exactly. That was my point. Well, safe travels, uh, you and the Rockstar uh, this weekend. It is it is fun to see what this basketball season has become now that the parts are healthy again and Trent Force isn't 100% healthy, but Man, it's, I don't think any team is looking forward, especially when you get in a tournament format. Now, maybe if you're playing Florida State the first game opening weekend or the regional semis compared to the regional finals, but if you've got to turn around in 48 hours and, and prepare for this FSU team, that, that's, a, that's a mess. And whether they're shooting the ball well or shooting the ball poorly, they have learned to play consistent defense. And that keeps them in all ball games, regardless of how they're shooting. And, and I hope that continues. Yeah, I think they're into the top 15 defensively nationally now. So things uh, are going well. Keith, always good to see you. We will do this uh, again next week as we do. Uh, find it uh, on the web, on the website. Subscribe to the podcast. I- iTunes? Do they still have iTunes? You probably don't. But, yes, iTunes does still exist. Uh, we'll talk to you again next week. He's Keith. I'm Tom. So long. All in all, you're just